Ah. Mama. Mama. We made it. What it? What it? What it do? What the fuck is going on? Squad. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Azad in the building. What's good with it? Hey, what's good? Sorry, I'm just on here on the Snapchat just getting you guys looking ridiculous. Oh, it's all good, baby. Yeah. Do, do what you got to do. Wow. But now, but now you're going to have it. Just, just go wow. ahead. Wow. That's amazing. Go Sorry. Ahead. What's you good? good? Yeah, I'm fantastic. <laughs> I'm good. Get it. <laughs> Yo, I'm so excited to have you on, my brother. Like, this is crazy for me because we've kind of done something like this actually in your whip recorded for some PR shit back in the day. Damn. So we've gone through the story a little bit, but now we're going to get to let the Mama We Made It listeners know what to do. Hey. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, you, uh, you were early. Very early. Very early. Yeah. Very early. And I want to take it back even earlier. Yep. Right? Because you're somebody that, that I really look at and consider one of the most intelligent and savvy business-wise in the music game. Um, and you're one of you have one of the most brilliant ears um, and ability to see music uh, beyond just the sonic sphere and see it as a whole entity. And I think a lot of that comes from your hunger for diving in and studying all of your idols, going through the path that you've gone, um, and it's allowed you to come to this point. But we'll get there way later. Yeah. Um, so I know that your father is a very big influence on your path. Yeah. So let's take it there. Let's do it. Let's um, go. Yeah, man. It goes back to, I remember like the, the earliest moments that I like fell in love with music or even words in general was when my dad would take me to these, uh, these open mics called, actually the poetry readings were called the Beyond Baroque Sessions. Beyond and these Baroque. Were in, uh, this is Venice pre-gentrification. Okay. Um, this is like early 90s. And seeing all these different walks of life, I'm talking like, you know, a crippled old white lady all the way to like an African man that, I mean, I remember vividly like him, him coming, walking up to my dad and tapping him on the shoulder because he felt like, you know, he couldn't see him. Yeah. Tapping him on the shoulder and turning him around and saying like that, talking about your ex-wife or your wife that got executed and talking about your, your brother that got executed, that really touched the place in my heart because my whole family this happened to them, you know, in, in, in my country. And Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it's like really uh, just seeing the way the words connected with people is yeah. what I'm getting at. And on the flip side, my mom took me to piano lessons and violin lessons growing up. So that's the other side of the music for me. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I was telling both you guys earlier about how in my whole life I take music so seriously. And I think it's because growing up it was really an escape. It was mm -hmm. like, it was when you could take a step away from reality mm -hmm. and just kind of reflect. And it was like your therapist, you know? So let's add meeting to these Baroque sessions. Your yep. father, tell us a little bit about his background. And, 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 and you know, he was a very prominent figure in, yeah. in this world. Yeah, he's still know? here. He is still. Yeah. To me, at least, until a lot of like, it's a niche community that, that obviously poetry isn't as big as music. Yeah. But writing and his general influence amongst the um, Iranian American community is still very powerful. Mm. But both my mom and my dad together um, were refugees and they were exiled from Iran in the, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, 
I mean, just like a lot of others, you yeah. know, but they were politically active and they fought for for freedom and what they believed in. And ultimately it took them from Iran to Turkey to France and then to the U.S. Um, and, insane. you know, they, they had a really unique situation because both my mom and my dad are very educated. And my, my dad has a Ph.D. My mom, I mean, my mom has an, uh, a master's and like they're they it was education first, always. And Got it was. It. Basically arming me with the tools, and really anyone that they fucked with, um, or sorry, they were, anyone they were close with. Oh, you get to say whatever you want. Okay, but, yeah. you can keep it articulate or go, yeah. you know, thuggish on them a little bit. Just because I'm talking about my mom, I'll, I'll be articulate because I'm sure she's gonna listen to it. this. She Hi, mommy June. Yeah, um, they they really valued um, not only education and just like arming me with the tools, knowledge wise, yeah. so I can make my own decisions, mm-hmm. um, but peace of mind. So like. It was always do what is right for you that's going to make you happy and kind of at ease with your fears and your doubts and because they went through it themselves, right? They 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 grew up in a place where you were forced to dress like X and forced yeah. to talk like Y and yeah. you had no other choice or you're going to get killed. Yeah. You know, in those days. You know, that's wild. How How was that for you being instilled with that kind of freedom but also knowing your history? Right. Well, how was that for you as a kid? Because I feel like it's very formative for you, but like you understood it. So yeah, like for, it, t- it for, takes for, some time. For knowing you, who you are now, I want to know like what that was like for you to have that um, instilled in you at such a young age. It's crazy. Yeah, my mom was was always the one that was just like, it's funny because I, I look back and I'm like, damn, she's not an artist per se. Actually, my dad's really the artist in that space, but she was the one pushing me, taking me to Colborne School of Arts in downtown and her fucking busted ass Volkswagen (laughs) every Sunday. Um, Incredible. What moms do, dog. Yo, she rode for me, bro. She took me to even like painting and I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to sit here like I'm yay. Like I grew up wanting to design clothes and art and shit, but she made sure that I at least had the choice and put it in front of me. and is very important. Yeah, and whatever I gravitated towards, which ended up being music, obviously, but at least I had the opportunity. You know, was it music from the from the get go, or did you? It was writing, it? nah. So it was writing. Yeah, I used to. I remember I had these. Uh, she still has these videos of me writing these journals, making photocopies at Kinkos, and like slanging them out to my family members <laughs> at the get-togethers. But I will say, music. I, I, yeah, I definitely fell in love with music early. Um, but it was the writing aspect of it that I remember the most vividly. Was that because I just seen your father and some being influenced by him, or did it just? kind of just hit you. I just love words, man. Just loved it. Yeah, I, lo- I love music too. I think music and I think words are obviously one. This is so funny because you talk to producers, like I'm talking about beat maker producers, not the not, not the grand. Uh, not, not the Rick Rubin. Not the Rick Rubens and the Quincy's and the even Puff and Khaled's. More mm. like the, uh, man, this is a somebody that I look up to right now is Scott Dante from They who I think is the best producer in the world. Incredible, and this is, bro. This is no disrespect to any other producer. I love it. You know, a lot of my close friends are really good producers, but Dante specifically, he sees music in a very different way. Like you can get, you can give him an acapella and the, the version of the song that's out and he'll do it, a, not, not like a remix, he'll produce the record yeah. a whole different way that I've never heard anyone do. And he sees music almost like I see words. So anyways, I say this to say, for me, whenever I hear a song or whatever, I hear lyrics first mm. and the majority of beat makers or producers or however you want to look at it hear music first mm-hmm. 
And it's been always so interesting to me to talk to people that, because for me, I, like I said, I, I can tune out a beat. But most producers, if you play a whack ass beat, even if the lyrics are fire, even if it's Kendrick Lamar over some fucking re- stupid beat, yeah, not stupid in a good way, trash ass beat, they won't even play it. I feel that. I mean, as a musician, I always hear music first. I always have. Yeah. I, I used to hear drums first. And then when I started playing bass, just bass. Never really like lyrics would just come kind of almost subliminally. Right. Like, I would memorize lyrics and not even know what the person is saying. Mm. So that's just, I think a lot of musicians do that. It's almost like just another melody. Yeah. You know? It took me I'd, until I'd my early 20s. In lyrics first. You're, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I remember, I remember the moments where like, because obviously I grew up playing piano for five, six years and violin for four years. So I had the musical background. Yeah. But I never got reason or logic when I was 12, 13. I got Pro Tools. So for me, it was learning about vocals and vocal production. Mm. And I didn't understand tone and all these things. I just like liked to rap. But I remember being 19, 20 years old and my first or second producers, John and Omi, Professor O is what he goes by. Um, they would literally like solo out instrumentals sorry solo out the stems and instrumentals and we would go through and i would it would almost be a test okay azad is this a kick drum is this an 808 oh wow snares is a clap like i'm i'm one of a handful of like quote-unquote a and r's in this industry that can articulate exactly what i want in a song because i have to do it for myself for 10 years how important is that it's i don't take this just sound might sound elitist but i don't take any musician or executive that's job is to not artists and repertoire but their job is to make record if you call yourself a record maker yeah which a lot of the, the british and european anrs do extremely well yeah which is literally almost non-existent out here in the states if you call yourself a record maker and you can't tell me exactly what you want to do with the song i'm talking about if you see less lows to make room for your mids for your vocals mm. if you see a different like if you can't tell me the difference between a closed hi-hat and an open hi-hat yeah or an 808 and a 909 and a regular kick drum and a snare and a clap most people don't even know what the fuck a snare versus a clap is yeah it's just beyond me because a clap sounds like a clap yeah you no know, literally they yeah. call it a clap and, for and a, a reason and a snap sounds like a snap <laughs> right yeah, yeah. So, but, but you be bro i'm telling you i've been sitting in these like quote unquote executive meetings sure. for two years now and Sometimes it's like I cringe because I'm like our our we we as artists and I blanket everyone we put this in your hands we as fans even put this shit in your hands to bring out the best music possible you have millions and millions of dollars in A and R and marketing yeah and you can't get this right you can't go out and at least get these motherfuckers like force them to get training yeah. Just like, them, yeah, like a basic like you education. Drive a car, bro. If you're driving, you can't drive a car legally until you had the register, until you uh, uh, passed your license test. Right. There should be a fucking test for A and R's. I'm dead ass. Like, I completely yeah. feel you. But see that that that's a testament to kind of you being thrown in the trenches, right? And having to do a lot of it on your own with cats that weren't equipped. Because a lot of these guys now happened to somehow stumble upon this position or didn't want it as bad, right? To whatever degree. The guys that... No, but the guys bro, that in, their, there, in their defense, you got to remember, A&R is artist and repertoire. By default, that job is about the relationships that you have and to some degree, your ability to to lock in quote-unquote deals and do the paperwork. Mm. Artists and repertoire is not... The A&R position is not a, a record-making position got anymore. It. Got it. So when they when when people come in, if you're if you're an executive at a record company, and this is we can get into this for hours, but yeah. if you're an executive, if you're a president or a chairman of a company, 
some a you might bring in two a and r's one that's a record maker and one that's the contact and relationship guy there's people in this industry that happen to be both and i think i can name my three favorites i'm close with two of the three best a and r's in my mind in the world not just black music a lot of people will say tunji who to me is you know i mean you know just as well as i do if not better he's to me the best a and r and they'll give it the black music title i think generally speaking yeah he probably is the best absolutely um and that's the one a to david dan's one b i think mm. and the only the places that tunji lacks i think david picks up the places david lacks you know me and tunji pick up as far mm. as the black music space sure um but there's a lot of other ARs that I think are awesome. I'm just the ones that I know personally that I've built relationships with. These are my two favorites. Yeah. Um, and because, believe it or not, they both come from from artist sides. Absolutely. David started off as an artist producer, and Tanja started off as an artist. So as a rapper, a really fucking good rapper. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've known Tanji. Tanji was actually the one who linked up uh, Orin with us. It's yeah. Crazy. No, Tanji links everybody. I can't. Up. I can't wait to. Tanji, you're coming on. Yeah, he, he shouting should. you out. He should. I mean, I'm trying to make a, a low key mixtape with Tunji. That'd be sick. Yeah, like people. Oh, we were. Where were we? We, we were somewhere on this Bryson tour, and like, we were just like, whenever your album comes out, I was talking about him. Whenever yeah. your album comes out, I don't even want to know the features that he's gonna get for free, or they're gonna pay his ass to be on it just because they want to support whatever people at that level. Yeah, because you got to remember, Tunji's put on everything from, or not put on, but. Shun, uh, sh- uh, 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 put a light, light. Yeah. on some of the best musicians and perspectives and voices in music Absolutely. and they just want him to win so when the Bryson shit happened and it did as well as it did so fast mm-hmm. I can't tell you the amount of like gratitude in my heart because I was like dude I've wished for you to, to see to or to get the respect you're getting now because he got it on a grand scale fast as fuck yeah right you know, I can't even remember how many times platinum those records are now, but I'm sure they've done 10 million singles yeah. on Trap Soul. But he never got that recognition for, for K-Dot. He never got that for Q. And he started to get it for Isaiah. He's done so many things for so many fucking people. It's wild. I just want, I need people to like embrace that because then it encourages the next generation of A&R to go out there and like, you know, learn about music. Yeah, absolutely. You know so you I mean? speak on, on the importance of, of artistry and going through that process into becoming somebody in this position, right? Yeah. The David Dan, the Tungies, yeah. right? So let's, when when did your artistry start? You started doing spoken word, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, before before I started rapping. Yeah. Okay. I, it, well, it was poetry, right, then? Okay. But um, remember, like, all the early Pac shit that I heard and the early Nas shit really, like, shaped that side of me. And then there was, like, the, the Jay-Z lover. I mean, my favorite album still of all time is Reasonable Doubt, mm. who... It's funny because that feeds back into what I was saying to you earlier about the um, me doing the Kinkos copies mm-hmm. and slanging the journals. That was like the not that that wasn't the drug dealer hustler in me, but yeah. it was like the hunger and the, the hunger, ambition yep. to get my 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 voice out there. Mm-hmm. Which I'm still learning about the early days of Jay and like how they funded everything themselves and how ownership from a, from a very early point in his career was super important. Um, and he obviously took ten years to get those masters back, but you know he did it and that. Once again, that that was early, four or five, six years old. Um, I always I always knew that I wanted to like write and get my stuff out there. Yeah, I just didn't know how, so I did it myself. And that spoken word shit that was me early, you know, early hip hop mixtapes at um at Samuel High, which is the high school that I went to. And yeah, I mean, 
Was your uh, was your father an influence on you for this during the spoken word part? Did you like go to him for like any advice or, or just um, help shape your spoken word aspect nah. from him being a poet? I would just just being around him and growing up with him because oh, I mean he had a really you know catastrophic moment in his life when I was like eleven or twelve years old. Um, no, two thousand and one. Yeah, I was twelve years old. Two thousand one. Um, yeah, he uh, he climbed. He's like a really adventurous dude. He. Um, he climbed Mount Whitney, and at the shoulder of the mountain, the air pressure compresses retina. And he he already had uh, retina degeneration, which is a fucking terrible disease. But he dealt with it so well. Like he did 13 years as far as running the marathon every year consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. He's a, like, yeah, he like this guy. It's 63 years old. Just picked up a cane a month and a half ago, and it was out of the fear of like harming other people because obviously when you're walking without a cane as a blind man sometimes you might you might hit someone or and it was just like it wasn't even for his own safety that's that's how selfless of a person he is in that regard but yeah i mean he after that moment and he was like suicidal for a few days and just seeing that transition between like grasping on a life and like life at that point were the words right like not even to sound like a fucking corny metaphor but the only thing that really kept him alive and I saw it firsthand was for me, it was my music for him. It was his words, you know, mm. is that why you think, do you think that made music like what we were talking about earlier kind of serious for you? Because yeah, that, absolutely. that it, it's, you said, you know, it's your therapy. You consider it a dark space or a dark place, but it's, um, it just seems to me that there's just, it's, it's just a, a more deeper place, a more internal place that it's coming from. Um, and thinking about that now, it may even be coming out in your passion when you talk about A and R's and your seriousness behind that and seriousness behind music. I think it's more than just your message that you're trying to get out. It's kind of your attitude and in, in um, the place that you're coming from. It's a very deep place. Yeah, I just I mean, at the end of the day, I take this shit seriously. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people like rap, rap about, oh, music saved my life and. They write about that shit. They write songs about it, which is cool. But like, ultimately, actions—I think actions speak a lot louder than words. Yeah. And and I, I'm talking about like actions, like shit, like that can uh, that can at least have an impact on who you're targeting. And for me, it's like if you're making music and you're—I'm 28 years old. So the records that I'm helping make now for the Galants, the Days, um, then this new act we got coming out named Quay and playing stuff and all the really, really dope shit we're doing at Moog that I believe in wholeheartedly. These records are for me when I was 13, mm-hmm. David when he was 13, Noosh, all of us, we grew up, we had the, the fucking luxury of growing up with a plethora of incredible music. Yeah. And I think that, that that's been taken away from the youth. And that's not to take away from, there's shit coming out right now that's incredible. It's amazing. I love it. I love a lot of it, actually. And I think music's getting to it. It's coming full. It's very cyclical. It's coming full circle in a lot of ways. Yeah. But still, we don't have, or I don't feel like we have the Maxwell, D'Angelo, Pac, Nas, Sade, Tom York, um, shit, Prince, Elvis. I mean. What do you think is, is like, causes that? Is it just the time, the digital age, the, the process? Or? A lot of the people that are my age right now grew up with the internet. All the people that I named before that, the Pox, all these motherfuckers, they used to read. 
They used to go live. They'd have real life experiences and then write about them. It's very, and, I, and, I, and I witnessed this firsthand with some people. I won't even say any names, but some people make music from a very contrived place. Yeah. They'll sit in a box all day and expect to get new inspiration out of the sky or something. At a certain point, you got to stop recollecting and go live. Right, because you can recall and recollect and do all this shit and record it, but ultimately, until you, you until you have a compelling story or narrative to write about, if it's fiction, cool. You better write the best fucking fiction novel. But yeah. if you're recalling from your life and you run out, you got to go live, and that's why people take three. That's why the greatest, even of our time, the Kendricks, the Franks. Shit, even the fucking Drakes and the J. Coles, who are like the other commercial pop artists, but they're really, really great storytellers. They take time for their yeah. records. When you were listening to all the, all the people who influenced you growing up, did you have aspirations of being an artist at that time? Like, I want to be a rapper. Did that was that in your mind? I was just doing it. Or I don't think I ever it? thought, I, and not for one second. I think, not for one second did I think, oh. Um, I can't make it at the level that I want to make it at. I just thought if I could do me to the best of my ability, then whatever's going to happen is going to happen. At a certain point, you got to just let go, right? You could just put your shit out there and, you know, uh, I'd be lying too if I didn't think I, from the beginning that I was like, I want to be the best. I want to be like a Pac or a Nas or a Hove. But I meant that 360. And that when I say 360, I mean like Pac in essence is to me even better than he is a rapper. He is a philanthropist, humanitarian, yep. poet, yep. writer, um, shit. He's like an artist, like in the real sense of the word. No, no fucks given for the business side. I even think on the acting side and directing side, he would have been so fucking ill. And it sucks that it was taken away. We'll never really find out. But um, and then you you flip it and you go to Hove. And I think that as a wordsmith, he's second to none. But when you when you look at the three sixty of Hove, what he's been able to do with just literally like a mic and a little bit of drug money was ridiculous. Like building an empire that, that employs, I mean, I'm sure all of his family and their friends and is going to feed his grandkids, grandkids, you know? So for me, it was always taking my favorite pieces and this is all subconscious. I didn't know until like I was 25, 26, what Hove really meant to me. I didn't know until after I, I rapped for Nas and like had a breakdown of like, damn, it's, even if I never get to that level, I just rap for the person that it probably kept me alive or kept me sane, I should say, through the majority of my late teens. What was that moment for you like? Oh, man. That had to have been just fucking crazy. Oh, shit. I remember vividly when, that night. Yeah, that was like a night where... <laughs> Take us there, bro. I want. I want to. I want to sing. Uh, I want to like single in on this moment, like as if the lights went out and just that light came on. You know what I'm saying? On the table. You yeah. feel me? I'll make that part quick, just because I don't want to. I don't want to take away too much of your time. But basically, this guy named Manny, um, who managed a restaurant called Philippe Chow's, hired my ex manager because she was in lifestyle and hospitality PR as a publicist for for his restaurant mm. and she did it with the sole intention, not the sole intention, but the main intention of getting me into the door yeah. in um, that space because he, he was managing a lot of really cool acts. He was friends with everyone. Everyone was coming through his shop, sorry, coming through his restaurant and whatever. One, he heard my music. He fucked with it. He was like, yo, you remind me of like, if Nas, Kanye and Lupe, like all in a gumbo. And I was like, Oh, amazing. I'm like, Oh, amazing. That's like, you know, those are my three of my main influences. 
Um, and he's like, I'm going to introduce you to all of them. I'm going to call Kanye. I'm going to get you to rap for Nas. And we'll figure out the Lupe shit. <laughs> I was like, shit, those are lofty ass expectations for some 23-year-old kid. You know yeah. what I mean? But whatever, let's do it. And one day, Leah calls me. Leah's is an angel. What's up, Leah? Yeah, what up, man? If you're, if you're going to... Miss Miami. Yeah, if you're listening, we got to fucking turn up. She, uh, she brings me through, and I'm wearing this like terrible Obey hoodie sweater combo. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, if, you, if anybody's rocking these terrible like built-in hoodie jackets, please, man, yo, burn them shits. No, so I walk in and it was Busta Rhymes is listening, or it was Busta Rhymes or some artist's um, video screening. Okay. Busta was there for sure. I remember that vividly. Word. He was sitting, he was, his big ass was sitting Dominant at the table. Dominant ass yeah. you, you felt this energy the moment you walked in. Whatever, so I walk in, Leah pulls me to the bar. It's me and O. And we're just, we're having a drink and, and we're like, you know, why why could you be here right now? Why are we here? Like, why would she have brought us here? And next thing I know, Leah calls me over. Manny walks me into the wine room in this uh, in this restaurant, which is like the back or whatever. And Nas is sitting with a bad one, like a light-skinned one. Uh, and The godson. Yeah, and he turns his chair and he's like, oh, I've heard about you, whatever. Man, he was saying really good things. Like, let me hear you rap. What the fuck is going through your head, though? Like, first you're, walking, first you're walking into a wine cellar, right? Oh, wait, I didn't even tell you. I, I said, you like I'm, you like saved my life. I sounded fucking terrible, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. I was like, you saved my life. You had life. an Obey sweater on, oh, a little God. combo. You walk with, with, with the white V neck underneath. Oh bro. my god! <laughs> with the Persian hairs coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my, my Jufro on steroids. You know, like that was that was lit. Anyways, I rap for him, and he's like, "That's just fire!" Like, um, and the man, he's like, "Nah, nah, spit some, like spit some harder shit." Because I spit the second verse of Spider Webs for anyone that knows that song, which is like five years old at this point. But um, and I spit this another verse, a song called Pressure, a verse off that song, and that's when he was like. Yeah, we need to rock. You need to come to the studio. Manny bring him by. Manny was like, "Yeah, if you if you sign with me or whatever, yeah. this will be the guy that helps mentor you." And um, I don't remember too much else because honestly, it sounds so cliche. But I kind of blacked out in that Word. moment. Yeah, it was just like you don't. And now I've been around Nas countless times. Yeah, and not felt that way. But that's because uh, I think his vibe is such a comfortable. He makes people feel like really comfortable. Very comfortable. And you feel that genuine energy off of him. Yeah. But I met him first as like such a fan you gotta just take a step back absolutely you know i feel like there was two very formative periods in in your early music career um one of them being your internship at interscope yeah right and another one being um owen john developing a sound with you yeah right yeah um and you know going back to your feeling the need that action is really what will get people somewhere. Yep. You took action to put that together. Yep. Oh, and John, you, you saw things in them that they added to what you had. Yep. And then um, you took action and, and, and went and got an internship at a label that, yeah. that you really fucked with, right? Yeah, that's, so, not, that, that's, that's, that's not even a lie. I really fuck with Interscope. I still let, do. So l- let me ask you, like, how was how was that process with you and Owen John? Take us through that, like, being young artists and you know having friends that you felt were really good at music and having them be an integral part of your early career, and also why you went and wanted to intern at a label, right? Like, so take us through that whole like young process. I mean, of first shit. and foremost, like, I owe a lot of like my. Um, 
my truth and my like openness about feedback and criticism in general to three people specifically. It's one of my best friends growing up, Raymond, um, who was super honest and supportive from the jump. Golly, mm. who the same thing with him, but they were both very like their feedback would sting. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Issue would be like a haymaker to the chest sometimes. Yeah. Mm. But it was like they were there from the beginning, beginning. Yeah. Like yeah. open mics. It was on some Game of Thrones type shit. With yeah. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. Because they were like, and it wasn't, I don't even think they thought it through as to like it would shape who I'd become because we were yeah. all like young as fuck. But yeah. Ray used to go on the forums, these rap forums that I would be battling at. And he would, um, and he would like vote for me. Or even if I was like gonna, gonna fail or whatever, gonna lose the battle, he would still like, give me the win and then write feedback as to why, but then he'd grill me on the side. Yeah. And, uh, and he'd make sure that like I was, I was dead ass about my shit, you know, and same with G. He always, like still to this day, he's always telling me, yo, you could really rap. Like you should need to start like rapping over some rap shit. Yeah. So there was two sides. And then John, I mean, I mean, I just grew up with John. Like I'm best friends with John, you know, and he, uh, <laughs> we've had some ups and downs, but that's still like my brother. Yeah. That's best blood. Yeah. And we started making music together when I was like fucking 13, 14 years old. Back when he used to play these busted ass Super Mario beats for me. <laughs> off reason. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> all the way until uh, until I walked into Interscope with our demo and got us a meeting. And at the point, I didn't know it was like a meeting to get a development deal. Because at the time, I, I was 19 with braces. And um, I was just trying to get, get on however I could. Yeah, you know, actually, one of our homies, Sam, Samson Showman, was uh, was the first person to like start taking my music up and down that building. Yeah, and I remember, I remember some feedback from a couple A and R, some bitch ass A and Rs, and I still won't forget. And they'll see me now, and they they don't even know. Like they'll try to like act like it's all all gravy. They might not, they might genuinely not know yeah. that, that, that like that I I'm doing what I'm doing now, and what, to, what what was that feedback? We don't need to get we don't need to nah, get into who, was, but was, like. Uh, well, they, they they lit a huge fire on that ass. Man. Yeah, man, because you got to remember, this is 2009, <laughs> 2008, 2009. This is like circa fucking, this is circa the blog era. So you you at the time, if you're an A&R, A&R assistant, you're, you can still find music off MySpace. You're still getting mailers sure. at that time. Um, no, but there was two specific instances in, into where I got just like kind of my heart broken. My hopes were set up high. And one was where, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll name drop just because I, I don't give a fuck. Manny Smith, okay, who ended up signing a bunch of really dope shit. Yeah, he uh, he heard my shit through Jericho and Jason and everyone on the four floors playing my little CD that I made, which the four songs there was like a little mixtape and I, I snuck my songs in there. But A and R plug right here. First song was Drake, second was J Cole, third was Kendrick, fourth was me, and then you could just imagine the rest. Like, I, I feel you. So if you're, this is two thousand and eight. You were really putting together everything that was on, like, because look for me. No, no, I was just, I just, I was a fan. I wasn't yeah. putting shit on. I was, I was, I am what we target now. I was an advocate for Got music. It. Yeah, I, I target as a, as an executive of a record company. Yeah, my goal is to find the young me, the young you, the young you. Yeah. Because we like we this is our oxygen. Yeah. You gotta remember, like, I take I still take pride in finding dope ass shit. And if I can help it, even if I can't sign it or monetarily gain off of it, I'm still trying to put you on. Mm. You know, so anyway, so Manny, he uh and he lit a fire under my ass because he brought me in. He's like, I thought he was gonna sign me, right? Because yeah. he's hearing spider ups before it's even out. 
And I'm like, that's a hit. That's a fucking hit. I thought the song was trash until David and Jason put it out, but that was a hit. Um, yes. He pulled me into the office and he said, what else are you listening to? And I was like, man, I like uh, outside of the four that I mentioned, which by the way, back then, Kendrick Lamar was not Kendrick Lamar. It was yeah, K-Dot. It was that. And Cole was, this is circle warm up. Yeah. Um, but he was about to ink his deal with Rock. And um, I played him You and I. Nice. Played him Pac Div. Yeah, I mean, shit's so fucking cyclical. I mean, I can't, I can't even fathom what happened three years later. You know what yeah. I mean? Or two years later when I met you. But uh, yeah, Dot um, was playing him. Damn, I don't remember. But I know Pac Div and You and I for sure. Oh, probably some early Dom shit. Maybe not. Maybe that was right before Dom. But I know for a fact a Love Supreme was coming out. Mm-hmm. This is right before. This is like the fucking. Uh, Tomas Whitmore shot that first one. What was that shit called? That shit was fire. Beautiful day. Yeah, beautiful yes. day. The one shot almost. Yeah. With her on the street. Yeah. yeah like the neighborhood. Yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. historic music video, that dog. killed MTV. Shout out Chris London. Shout out Thurs. Shout out fucking Young. Shout out the whole You know we squad. had Thurs on what here. What up, Tomas? Oh, wow. Yeah, he, yeah. He, he, uh, his episode was a few ones back. You should listen to his. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I love Thurs. Thurs is awesome. He tells a cool um, story about all that. Damn. Though that's, that's giving me chills thinking about it. No, but... That was really good. And then I saw on Manny's calendar, he had a meeting with Drake's lawyer and all these things. And I was like, what you know about Drake? And he's like, oh, we're, we got this. And this is right around the time that Drake shot it out in his, his little plug. His All Things Fresh Freestyle with Trey Songs. They're, they're rapping over, I think, Still Dre. Oh, my God. He said the, oh, no, it's over that one. And it's over the rosé uh, pot champagne. He said, my deal got signed and the split's all good. And then on Congratulations, which was a bonus track on So Far Gone, he shots out Interscope again. So you, at the time, you think the deal's going to get done. Wow. But as a fan, you're almost hoping that he goes with Wayne because Wayne put him on. And obviously, the story unfolds, and seven years later, you see where it's all at. But, yeah. but I remember driving to Ray Alba's house, which at the time, or meeting him up in the valley an hour and 20 minutes away to get these... Uh, Get these young money, little Wayne tickets because we wanted me and John wanted to see Drake for the first time. Yeah, and this is you got to remember this is Drake circa. That's wild. This is Aubrey low key. This is Aubrey coming out to like sing Mrs. Officer like Bobby Valentino's part. I'm dead ass. You think I'm playing? Like I I don't forget. Like that was crazy. Um, whatever. So fast forward, Jason and 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 Ray and that whole team was just like, if you're serious about music. If you're serious about music, then after your internship's done, I was going to go to Europe. After your internship's done, you can either A, come in and be an assistant and make a little 32, 33K a year, or B, quit and I'll help you. And we'll manage you as an artist. And Jason Sangerman and, and all of them, they were they were almost like mentored by Clancy, which at the time was about to go and start Odd Future. Yeah. Jesus. I didn't understand how big that was going to be and how fast that was oh going to go. God. So I left Jason to go focus on my own stuff a year into our like relationship, but I'd built up so many PR and blog and marketing contacts and just know how. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was young; I was 21, 20 years old, graduating from college. I ha- I had I was tech savvy enough to build my own relationships with the blogs. And fast forward, a record went number one on Hypem. Um, this is circa fucking the YouTube Music Networks, circa Spotify. Circa SoundCloud. This is just like when Two Dope Boys and Nah Right and DX and XXL mm. could break a hip hop act. Yep. So I remember you can ask this news. Is like right we when were, LA was really oh, we setting the stage to come on. Damn man, this is so. I haven't even thought of this shit in so long. It's wild, right? 
Damn, it's a lot. Damn, it's probably 2017. <laughs> Eight years. Fuck. Yeah, I was 19 years old. Yeah, I just turned 20. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. How crazy is that? Fuck. It's a long time. Um, I, I thought I'd be in a very different place by now. But you know what I will say is my the other side of me, because I always wanted to be like on and then start a label. It's funny how shit, you know, worked backwards. Yeah. Um, I got really lucky and, you know, are we fast forward in this mug shit or should I, should I keep going? No, keep going. Okay, I, cool. I, I want to I wanna know about this artistry path, bro, because, you know, Joe and I were talking earlier, yep. right? Um, and he wanted to bring up a question. Um, and I'm, I'm literally bringing this up because I'm going to tell you where I'm going with this. Okay. Because I think this plays a, a very significant role in this early uh, artist path of yours, which is right in this moment where you think the stars are aligning, things are going great, whatnot. Um, and they don't. And the rug gets yeah. flipped out from under you, right? But you're still on this path. Like it, it, it's like a you have this tenacity where it's like if 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 you guys can't do a damn thing, or if anybody around me can't do something, I'm going to make sure I do it the best, right? So that I know what the fuck to do. Yeah, right? I, think I, that I love that, the foreshadowing. I, I think that 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 whole. Um, character trait of yours and burning passion of yours has allowed you to get here right but let's let's talk about what it's like for you you see yourself as an artist but let's also talk about the complexities of the scenario of coming out as an artist and also like having done singing and having yeah. being a rapper you're going through that divide of like you're you're divine with melodies but like you're you're trying to figure yourself out as an artist and at the same time you're trying to come in, in into a an urban game that's dominated that really sees black and white right 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 but you're an Iranian American yes right yeah. so talk to us about this is crazy. how yeah. this how this influenced like how all of these things played their roles in in your artist path. You got to remember where I'm from. Like I grew up in LA, where it's such a melting pot, and specifically the West Side, where mm. we didn't really like my family. We don't see color, we don't see religion. So I grew up with my best friends are, you know, half Swiss and Native American and black. That's one of them. It's like the twins, and then the other ones, John is Puerto Rican, Guatemalan, Gali's Peruvian, and Italian. It's a big um, melting I'm, pot. Yeah, it's a big ass melting pot. I never saw a color. All I saw was just like real ass motherfuckers who either A, they run with you and they fuck with everything you're doing and will support you and break you down and do whatever it takes to get you to that next level or some bitch made motherfuckers that, which, which to me, by the way, are like the, the changing of the guard is fantastic because back in 2010 and 2011, there was some bitch ass motherfuckers running this scene and I'm mm. glad that they don't exist anymore because and a lot of really great musicians never got their shot because people had people power tripped, took themselves way too seriously, yeah. and just didn't give the new breed a chance. So we made our own way, and that's ultimately gonna. This is me telling which is you the like, reason why it's taking over now. Which is exactly which is like it's beautiful because we, when you don't, and that's what happens to any community. If you take away their power, they rebel, and the powerless eventually it's the tables turn. Yeah, if you're if you're it's tenacious. Cyclical. Yeah, very cyclical. This, this whole fucking convo is just like me reminiscing on. Yeah. Like I, I carpeted a lot of these emotions and feelings mm. just so I can keep my head on straight because if I, if I reveled in all that, it'd be a dark ass road and it was for a very long time. Um, but to your point, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll make that little journey part of it quick. It was Interscope to doing my own shit to 
putting out a really, really awesome first mixtape that I still listen to sometimes. And I just to remind myself, you know, you could, uh, you could take your time with this. Shit. There's no rush. Cause all you gotta do is make a great body of work and th- the music will do the talking for you. Sure. That's what my, my boy, my, my brother David told me early and he helped me A&R that funny enough. He was like the guy that chose a lot of those songs and help us cut the fat and you know, he loves a good song. He loves a good song. He loved melody. And I strayed away from melody for a long time, but it was just because um, it was the state I was in. I, you know, further hopeful, which is what my next project was very reflective of where I was at in my life. I was angry. Um, I didn't understand why life would treat me the way it did and why other things were happening. I spent so much time concerned with other people and shit that was out of mm. my control that I didn't enjoy that part of the journey mm-hmm. and um it it fucked me up mentally for a long time i feel that's such a common thing with um with people that that are wanting to be musicians wanting to be artists i think that's such probably more than norm than not it's you know it's only later that you realize like damn i wish i kind of like soaked it in or enjoyed it more but like you're a lot of the times you know if you're not put on but you're working so hard, you know, your shit is so good and it might be the politics of it, or it might just be, you know, wrong place, wrong time, or just, you know, the wrong team. There's so many different factors um, that can even be out of your control. No, it really is. You know, we know when I say all that, because it really does come down to you. And what is it about you? Whoever it is, like the world or especially the music industry, it's just a reflection and the way you view it is a reflection of the way you view your own music. So, and I'll give you an example. If you really think you're the best at what you do and all you need is opportunity, then all you have to do is prove that you're worth the time and that opportunity mm-hmm. because for all these websites and all, and any platform in general, they, they drive off ad revenue, which is traffic. Yep. So if they can say, this is the best shit I've heard all day, you're not only benefiting off that as the artist, they're benefiting off that as the platform. So ultimately, all you have to do is make the best song and your song will do your promo for you. But if you're so caught up in why isn't my decent or mediocre or good or even really good song or project getting the notoriety that it, that it deserves, you're taking time away from potentially making that song. Mm-hmm. That's gonna take, you need one, if I've learned anything the past fucking 10 years is, or seven years, is that you need one song. And, er- and all your other really good songs will get the shine they deserve. Mm-hmm. Even if that one song isn't a hit, and it's like, a, we call them like internet hits now, pseudo hits, it's a marketing driver for your whole body of work, for you as an artist. So in this case, um, for the artists that I know firsthand, I'd say for they, it's, an, it's a song called Motley Crue. I don't think it's their best song by any stretch. It might even be one of my bottom half of the album as far as what I listen to what I enjoy but I understand the importance of it in the grand scheme of things for Zoo it's a song called Faded same conversation I don't think it's his best by any means but it was the driver that launched the career Gallant Weight in Gold Clanks Off We Don't Have It Yet I think it's Receiver or Hostage um, and for myself it was a song called Spiderwebs speaking to that point though um, I think there are two things that are critical in what allows artists like Azu or they to be able to withstand even having the opportunity to have a pseudo hit, right? And those things are development as an artist, mm. 
and the team, mm-hmm. right? Can you speak on the importance of, and I want to put this, I want to give the scenarios because, yes, for anyone in this day and age, that one will get you that shine, that momentum, all of that, mm-hmm. right? But if you're not ready to capitalize, to you could drown. take that one and go next, 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 and be willing to roll with the punches because it's not always going to be a fucking glory road, right? But if you're not ready, success, the success that everybody wants or the shock that everybody wants will crush them. Yes. Right? And then the team, right? Mm. Because you spent a lot of time going through the depths of your own hell mm-hmm. to develop yourself and also seek out those, right, almost to a pestering degree, mm-hmm. right, that you felt could help in that development process. Mm-hmm. You were always, and it's crazy to think about for an artist, like the battle that they have saying, listen to this fire, I know I'm, I'm fighting to be the greatest, but I know I'm putting in the work, Yeah, right? When X person thinks, Okay, me, 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 listen to me. Like, listen to my, I'm going to tell you it's great record, but it's fucking mediocre. Right. Right? Um, and then the team, right? Because well, I think let, those let, go let, hand Let me touch on two things quick. One, we're in a, we're in a space now, in, in a digital space and age now where the internet will tell you, right? Mm. You, you as an independent artist have the YouTube music networks, you know, the Rap Nation, Trap Nation, Suicide Sheet, Majestic, Proximity, all that. You have the blogs, which obviously posts live for a lot less and the frequency is a lot more than it used to be. Press doesn't drive. Press is here to magnify on an already developing story. It does not break artists anymore, Mm. in my opinion. Um, You have specialist radio in Europe and the States, which costs a little bit of money, but if you find the right pluggers, it can help. You have free streaming radio, which is the Beats ones of the world, the Mm -hmm. Sirius XMs, those, um, which still kind of fall into the specialty realm. You have... And to a degree, you have shows and festivals and late night TV, which is a little bit, you need a team to get there, I think. But ultimately, you have SoundCloud, right? You have a you have Spotify, you have Apple Music, where you can just put your shit up for free on TuneCore, send it to your friends, your friends send it to their friends, and if it connects just enough, it'll reach the person it's, it's supposed to reach. And I've always told Noosa shit, there's two... There's two parts of, there's two important parts of an artist's career. One is where they find their voice and what they're talking about. The sound, the voice, the perspective, whatever makes them special. And the second rebirth is when they find their partner on the business side mm. that helps align the team. And that could be, an, for Gallant, it was an attorney. It wasn't me, it wasn't David. We, we were certainly important parts of it. Um, David more than me because David had the money and the platform at the time. To, yeah. But David Jacobs, who's an awesome A and R, really he's an attorney, but to me he's an awesome A and R, awesome discover talent, everything scout, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Great ear. Mm. He was the first in. For Zoo, it was David. David was the first in. Um, for they, I mean, I'd say I'd argue it was themselves. You know, <coughs> you know, Brittany, um, whoever. But ultimately, until you meet your match on the other side, your career never really starts because you need someone that's going to go fight tooth and nail to tell your story and why you're the most important thing or why you should be the most important thing on someone's priority list, which now being in a position on the other side, I understand it's so fucking stacked. I don't mean disrespect to artists when they send me shit and I can't listen to it. I'm just like, bro, I really don't have time right now. But if I believe in you enough or I love your shit, if I love your shit enough, 
our time is going to come. Our, our, our time is going to come. Like, I, and I mean that I'm so true to that, bro. Like I, I feel like if, if it's supposed to happen for you, who knows how it's going to happen, but it will happen. Who knows? I don't know how. Absolutely. And yeah. for you from being an artist, how do you make that kind of, um, where was your pivot point or that moment for you where you took the first step into the business realm as a business, as an exec, or just as a person in the business? Um, you know, Anoush told me, and you, you know, you expressed it too, um, always being a good A&R, always having your ear to... Um, I, I still don't even know what A&R means, but... But just from being from yourself going like, OK, I'm an artist. I'm my whole pursuit, my whole life. I wake up every morning. I write. I record. I I'm pushing this. This is me as an artist. And then to now. Now you're an executive record label. But where was that that line that yeah. was first crossed? What was that moment? I was managing myself or trying to manage my tra- and produce my trajectory as an artist um, from the beginning. You know, like I learned about all, all aspects of the industry out of necessity because I no one else is doing it for me. I had a really, really good people in my life, you know, from David to Leah to Ashley Fox and Dwight um, to Noosh to and now to, you know, Brittany. And um, just I was really lucky. But you need a obviously that the, the song and the, the, pro, the project and the perspective and the voice. But ultimately, you need money. You need capital. If you want to take this thing and make it a fucking career, um, you need to invest in yourself. So that happened um, when I switched over and I was able to see it from the business side and I saw the money being spent. And you saw it for yourself. Yeah, I saw it for myself. How was that for you? Like being able to actually be in a position to appreciate that fact, right? Because if you didn't have this that that pivot point, Mm -hmm. right, you'd still be looking for that moment. Yeah, I mean, and I think it's kind of why my, my, my mindset changed a little bit as to like, I used to be the artist that didn't want to work, like, or not, I was ashamed to work the nine to five again, because I'd done that. I'd worked at Enesco for free for a year, for like 30 hours a week, and I'd worked at Patty's Pizza and Panera Bread and all these like really respectable jobs that um, I didn't want to do in my early 20s because I wanted to focus on making music, mm-hmm. not realizing that ultimately that would hinder a my life experiences because I didn't have the money to do shit that I wanted to with my girl or go out to nice dinners or travel I ended up doing these things some way somehow whatever off of some bitch ass like selling weed shit or like stealing clothes or like doing the eBay hustle or the you know even the world of Warcraft and sh- I, I made my money how I made it and You're I'm a not, hustler I'm not, I'm not proud of it either bro but I'd say that to your point that transition came when I saw the money that David was spending on Zoo and Zoo was spending on himself ultimately as well um, and the risks they were taking and how strategy was second to, A, you got to be able to pay these people mm. because it doesn't matter how good your shit is. If you can't put up that money, then like, bro, I'm not going to work for free. Yeah. Like I remember when David's ass was fucking doing the little snapback hat thing and like, that zoo shit hadn't popped it. He didn't know what his next check was going to come from. Yeah. You could fast forward three years conveniently, four years conveniently, and now look at David and go, oh, man, you were going to be this all along. I mean, I knew that. I'm sure David didn't even really know that. 
Yeah. I, because as I just I knew that. Yeah, you knew that. People the people that are close to Dave always knew he was gonna be something fucking special because he was always so important to us. Yeah. And he Very tells true. me this shit about myself all the time. You know, he he's just like, bro, like I knew you were gonna be a monster of an executive long before you ever Likewise. even thought. Thank you. I mean that I mean, we've had fights about this shit. Yeah. Man, yeah, I mean shit that yeah, those times. I'm just, I still fight. We've with had it. like let me shake you real quick moments about this shit. You know what I'm saying? I, but ultimately, I, I, it led to this. It comes to you. Yeah. No, but it was you said some fuck. I want to. I want to touch back on that because that was so important. Oh, the developmental process. So it's funny because the way that I work with the artists that I'm directly on, and just my entire ethos and mentality towards artists is I treat them how I wish I was treated. Mm. when I was being managed. And this is not take away anything from, from my managers or whoever in my life. Um, but I just know what I would have wanted. And that's how I... like. That's very important. Which, which is what? So I'll tell you, I, I, this is like shit that I wish I could write down. I should write this down. Is like clear-cut transparency. And I'm talking everything from this person on your team doesn't necessarily fuck with this song. I do, but I don't think it's the one we should go with right now. I don't think you should be wearing that, talking like this, hanging out with that person, and here's why. And this goes down to making the record, but I've never been the guy that, if oh, if you can't write that, I'll go get this person that can write that. I make them fucking sweat, and there needs to be sweat, blood, tears, and that shit, specifically the They Project. Like So many times, so many people told me, we should get a co-producer on this. We should get a co-writer on this. These guys have never made shit before. This is their first album. I know there was times that they wanted to do that. And now that we, we're here a year later and they're so thankful that we didn't... I didn't even tell them that the people were saying these things because I didn't want them to feel insecure. I wanted them to step up to the plate themselves yeah. and write the best songs they could write. And ultimately, if that's not... If your truth, if you can't write your... First of all, I don't want to work with any artists that don't write their own songs. Let's get that straight. All of our artists either write and produce everything themselves or they have one producer they work with. And holistically, this goes hand in hand with why we are who we are. Because the whole Moog brand is built off of your truth, telling your truth, and not uh, compromising shit, right? So, But ultimately, that hit is what drives it. We just get lucky that the hits have meaning a lot of the times. Mm -hmm. You know, like the Motley Crue is a very, like if you really listen to it, really there's a lot of social and political commentary on there. Absolutely. Same thing with Wade and Gold. It's a heavy, dense-ass fucking song. Same thing with Klangstoff songs. You know, and same thing with this new artist, Quay, Little Ones, which is one of his singles, is talking about the innocence, losing innocence um, in our youth, you know, and in the overall sphere of how we treat our kids. And that doesn't mean you got to write a pop tune to be a hit. You, there's so many like dense songs that when they cut through, they cut so they don't cut wide and shallow. You're aiming for the narrow and deep cut, mm-hmm. which is that that the hit that cuts narrow and deep sticks for 20 years. The Absolutely. seal crazies, the, the Sade lovers rocks. Sure, you know the whole fucking Kid A album. You know the whole pop. Uh, me against the world album, the whole Nas it was written album, whatever. Anyway, so that form of development, which to me is like making them almost look off the edge of the cliff and like just not be scared to jump. But the beauty and, is that you had been there before. Had you yeah. not have been there, do you think that that would have been 
No. Your perspective. And I still get, people still fight me on the way that I, I do this a lot, you know? So it's like, I still have to like explain myself a lot of the time. Yeah. And we're, we're a lot slower than most people, but, um, I think in five or 10 years, our guys will be the best in the industry because they've had their backs against the walls and, and had to deliver and have, have had no choice really, but to deliver because the, we weren't going to put you in record plant or paramount and get in, in, I don't look at making music like food and fucking beverage. This is not like I'm going to put you here and get the best this and the best that, whether it's best songwriter for melodies and then the best lyric writer and then the best producer and then have nine different producers on the song. There's nothing to take away from these people, but I just view art as a much more intimate and precious process than fucking spreading it out like it's a jigsaw and I'm Coca-Cola. No offense. Yeah. You know, so... But respect to all those people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just jumping in is like, it's there's got to be a balance because how do you deal with knowing that you have to make that one song to penetrate, but not try to write to necessarily make that one song? I think lines get blurred there. Of it's easy to go to the nine different hottest producers or writers to carve that perfectly polished hit because that's what. It, that's what this music industry seems to need. Right. But, you know, you want to be raw. You want to be honest. You want to be, you know, um, deep with your music. But then you also have to write a really good song. And there might be preemptive things that do that. How do you get that out of an artist or even out of yourself to kind of do that dance of like, well, we need a hit, but. I don't want to necessarily write a hit because let me just listen to what's on the radio and follow those same four chords and the same melodies. But, you know, do that balance between between writing a really good song and a hit. I I think it's all perspective. I think as a as a developer or creator or whatever we want to call ourselves, um, our job is to. I mean, you I mean, fuck, fuck the perspective. It's like. If you're if you're signing an act, and the act has a you're signing them for a point of view, mm-hmm. right? Or at least we are. We're signing an act because they bring something unique to the table. Our job as the developer is to hone, polish, and by hone and polish, I mean whether it's they need money to survive, a stipend. We had we had this really humble fucking studio space. I don't know if you've been there yet. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, um, I, knew, I went to the um, Galanta release. Got it. So next door was the the studios. Yeah, and they're uh, they're really like humble. Like I said, they got like it's a little apogee duet and some monitors and and when you walk in if, as an artist and if you don't feel right at home and ready to work and excited and inspired because of the energy in the room and generally the opportunity that's given to you you don't really get anywhere else um, and you feel like you need a million dollar space and the biggest producers and all that we just know you're not right for us you may be great for someone else but it, it's not the right fit for us so for us a lot of it's been whatever finding out the why in an artist like why do they do it why are they going to be important to this new generation you know, and, and, and just really honing in on that message. How do you guys get there with artists? You just know when you hear it. You know, with Gallant, well, the first time I heard it when I, when I heard this song called Forfeit. And I don't even know what he was saying. I had to go, like, he had it actually on a SoundCloud. If you just, like, clicked on the descript- description, sorry, you could see it all. But I knew his voice and the vibe and the feeling was something special because I kept replaying the song. And then I read what he was writing about. 
And I was just like, this is fucking insane. Yeah. And I went and I listened to like Jupiter Grayscale. I can't remember what else was out at that time. Sirens, maybe Manhattan. Some of those early EP, um, the Zebra songs were out. Yeah. And then off cuff, I don't even know what it was. It made me play it for Dave. I think I was sitting on his couch and, you know, the zoo shit was starting to develop. And um, I played it off SoundCloud. And he was like, this is tight. You know, what's the story? And I was like, I don't know. I just found that shit on SoundCloud. And um, I didn't know much about shit back then. I just know I wanted to work with him, mm. you know. And I, at that time, it was just for myself as an artist. Actually, the, the first time I ever really met him, we worked on one of my songs called Make You Proud that hasn't come out yet um, that I'm hoping actually one day I can really build a project around because it's mm. that, just that important to me. Yeah. That guy, is a spe- he's a once-in-a-generation talent. He really is. Did you ever deal with that with yourself as an artist, kind of um, figuring out how to write something really deep and honest, but also knowing like, man, I, I just got to write that hit. I got I got to write that one song. Did you ever battle that no, with yourself? I no. never did. And I think that's probably why um, I am where I am, because I never I, n- I never really made it because I didn't know what it took. When we say where you are, where you are, do you mean? I think I, I, because I'm not a artist full-time or, artist. Oh, okay. okay. Because, or be, because I think the reason why... I don't know if you should be focused on writing your song, but I think what you're saying is like f- honing in on what makes you really special and writing that. I think yeah. I was doing, I was trying so many different things that I never really could A&R myself. And I, I lack that. Like like Anu said, I was, I was, I needed a David Dan or a Tunji in my life just full time for myself. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, that's why I still think I'll never end up signing to anyone Um outside or, or work with anyone on that front outside of a David or a Tunge just because they're so they've seen my whole journey mm-hmm. and they can they're open to tell me whatever you know and I don't know there's just how something important to, is that I think as an artist it's all you can ask for you know all I ever wanted was someone that could just be honest and have and like and have a a foundation to why they're saying what they're saying. Mm. So it's not just like coming out of nowhere. They got, not, I'm not saying credibility, but like just justify what the fuck you're saying. Yeah. You know, and for Dave, it's always been a very, not hit driven, but he's very um, honed in on what makes you, you and just do that. And once that connects, obviously you're a three, you're a, you're a very well diverse person you can show everyone different sides of you once you got that one for times. It's always been a little bit of that. And then culture, it's like just con- consistency being like putting out mu- really good music, staying consistent, keep knocking on that door, banging on that door. You know, like you look at all of his artists that he's worked with. Um, not all, but the majority of them have been grinding for a very long time. Yeah. And that's the thing I think a lot of people don't really realize because all you see is kind of the end result or the finished product, but you don't realize a lot of these people have been doing it for a decade yeah. before you even hear anything. Yeah, I mean, shit. That's uh, a lot of our success stories today. Success. I sound like a fucking idiot. A lot of our success stories today <laughs> uh, come from, yeah, I mean, that's why I respect the shit out of g Easy and his whole team. People can say whatever they want, but that man has been, I've seen it from the warp tour days where he was getting 14 people at his shows to finding out, you know, what made him unique and then just going fucking ham, incredible videos, incredible work ethic, touring. Yeah. Like he tours like tech nine tours straight you. up, straight up. And, um, and he has a fucking monster team. Though. Oh, incredible team. And, and those people, I think that's why he's so comfortable, you know, doing what he's doing 
because he knows he's insulated. Yeah. And that's the best feeling as an artist, which once again, to your point, um, what, what do I, what did I want as an artist I didn't get, which is why I provided nonstop for my guys. It's not just the support on the business side. I can negotiate the fuck. I, I think I'm going to be one of, if not the most important person in the A&R space, but I know I can't do what David can do um, on a company building overall overarching business level, which is why I think we complement each other so well. It's like incredibly well. I, I look crazy. at A&R strategy and development mm-hmm. and I look at David as like, he has that side vision. in him. Exactly. But he has, he's a visionary. So it's like he, he sees he's also me. a builder. Yeah, he, he's everything. He's the best. He, he, he's the he, best he's, in the game. He's, he's Loki, the dude that was digging the ground to put the foundation in that became the head of the company. Loki. Yes, yes. Yeah, and he, and he tried to sign. He was the first person to try to sign me. And when I was 19 years old, he hit me on fucking Facebook Messenger through one of our good friends, Adam Vanunu, and like he, uh, he tried to sign me. Is that how you guys met? That's how we met. That's incredible. Talk yeah. about that for a second. Yeah, oh, man. I remember the first time he came. I was just, well, bro, the history is wild, bro. It's insane. It's a long time ago, bro. Um, he, we, he, I was uh, wearing PF flyers, <laughs> yes, black PF flyers, with some denim, with some little like. Thank little, God you got some money though, dog, because now your style game's a little like yeah. upper echelon. Little you know bit, what I'm saying? yeah, a little bit. Nah, Dave came in. He heard he heard all the bunch of a bunch of the new early me and John shit, and back then I was making much more melodic driven music, which is what I got back to now five, six years later, seven years later. But I strayed away from it because I wanted to, I wanted I strive so hard to be unique and different than the Drakes. Which by the way, back by back then it wasn't the Drakes. It was Drake was coming up and we were so similar in the sense of like we weren't thugs. We're, we were both melodic. We could there was a, a certain clever wit to our rap. Um and I don't even mean to put myself on the same level as Drake. I think I'm better, but <laughs> you have to though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What, what people don't get is like you have to think that you're better. You have to want. Well, just be don't do it if you're gonna yeah. do this shit. Yeah. Very well said. No, and I, and I, and I thought I, I think he's outworked the shit out of me and outplanned the shit out of me. Yeah, I secretly think he's like he's right here behind me at, yeah. at any given moment because he some of the moves he makes. I'm just like so astonished by how fucking perfectly planned they are. Yeah. But anyways, David used to tell all of his friends I was like the Iranian Drake and that's how he got the whole and I saw firsthand what David Dan promo hand to hand combat could do for you because mm. when, when he brought me to Beverly Hills guerrilla marketing warfare bro bro all the girls all like the little club promo dudes motherfuckers used to buy tables and bottles and all this shit because of David like they really fuck with me and I never gave David a shot to fully like managed me because he was killing it so hard as a DJ himself that I wanted him to shine and mm. I didn't think he had the time um, and ultimately I didn't want to take away from he, what he was doing you know because he was killing it I I still think he's one of the best performers DJs and overall music ears superstar bro yeah he's gonna be I'm gonna end up one day managing him because we have a new company a management company and I think he'll let us one day um, take a crack again so let me ask you about this because that's a really interesting point is you know both of you guys you and David Yep. First and foremost, I like my brothers. You know what I'm saying? Hey, my my you. young babies. Yeah. You know what I mean? I've been a babysitter to these stars for a long time. You know what I'm saying? Um, but what's it like for you, right? Being finally being in a position where all of your work, blood, sweat, tears, drive to be an artist, killing yourself to figure out your purpose 
coming into a position in which everything that you had been doing is allowing you to do it, but in an executive capacity, mm -hmm. right? At the same time, also still pursuing music as yeah. an artist. How is that for you now to balance not only the responsibilities in your executive role, um, but the expectation of your artist being? You have to remember, I'm, I'm working with someone that I think is the best at what they do, and I think we barely scratched the surface. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, we're so close that he wants me to do what makes me happy and would never have me do some shit that um, would have me resenting myself or anyone in my life. Mm. So he knows how much, I, I'm, how much of an artist I am. Yeah. Um, and when it's time, he'll do whatever he can to support me. He's told me that. He's like, whenever you're ready, you know, whenever you feel like we got those records... Um, and he'll be the first to tell you if you do or not. Yeah, mm. and I know that you know for the long time I thought, oh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, uh, he wouldn't want me to leave, but I would never leave, and that's like what I realized. Like I've obviously, obviously got offers to work on other shit and do whatever else, but I never even bring it to anyone's attention because I would never leave. Mm. Like this is like the, I I don't have any tattoos, but if there was one thing I would you know tattoo myself, it would be like hearing is believing, which is the Moog slogan, yeah. and seeing what he's done for everyone in his life and for these artists and just in general, the music community, I think is so impressive. And in the next, in the first two years we did, I think really well for ourselves, but these next two are about to be like career defining. Absolutely. And they talk about the Geffens, they talk about the Iveens and they talk about the new ways of the Troys and the scooters and no offense, but I don't think, I don't think they've, They've seen someone like David Dan ever. They have. And if there's one thing I'm going to make sure I do, whether it's right next to him or from a distance, is make sure like his whole shit does not, like it will never, ever, ever sink. Like there, as long as I'm healthy and he's able to do what he does on the business front, um, and he's even as a fucking serious creative creator, he's going to be just fine. Cause I'm the, like, before Why? you ever get to him, cause I'm like, I'm the armor. You know, like I'll be the one. Like I take a lot of L's because people are like yo. Would this you dude consider yourself the dame to his Jay Z? It's funny because I thought I was a J, but you know what? I I do think yeah, yeah. It's crazy you say that. Me? Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Nushi Cohen back here, just like <laughs> Nushi Manili, just chilling like this <laughs> with it. You know what I'm saying? Nushi Manili, yeah, hey, <laughs> like that reference. <laughs> no, he he's he's bulletproof, bro, and that's like. I've made that shit my fucking, my years work, two years, work. three years work. It's like, because he's such a, he gives us so much freedom to do what we feel like is right. I'm talking about, you could take whatever time you want, go out, go do this, take, go to dinners, go to drinks, go travel, put up however much money you want on these videos, fail, do it again, fail, do it again. You want a stylist, do it. Whatever you want, like he he treats, he lets me treat the money and the artists like they were my own because he knows how stingy I am yeah. and knows I'll never waste, let alone like time, I'll never waste bread. How important is that to you? That's the only reason this just worked, bro. I'm such a fucking hard-headed dude that, and such a passionate dude that I can't even, be, like, I can't even believe we're here because for the longest I thought it would never be possible for an artist, for a producer to be an executive still having the hopes and dreams of one day being 
but those you evolve. Right? Yeah. You're, my hopes of one day being like Jay Z have went from like rocking Madison Square Garden as an artist mm-hmm. to like having the most tastemaker label with one of my best friends, probably my best, my, my one of my best two or three friends at this point in my life, um, making money and being able to put on for all my people, bring opportunities to the table, and still being able to tour because he's ultimately like I said. People in my life want me to be happy. Absolutely. They know if I can't create, I'm not going to be happy. It's gonna, it's gonna show. It's gonna reek out of my veins, yeah. my, my pores. Yeah, you feel me? So, and the best thing you could do, even with, even with any of my close friends, bro, is the best thing you could do is empower them to do what they want. Because ultimately, you can rug it, you can carpet it, you can, you can put it on the back burner, but it'll show in other spaces in your life. It may show in your health. It may show in your relationship with your girl your family and this is all from personal experience like I've lost a lot of really really quality relationships because I never truly uh, was happy with what I was doing in my life that's deep though yeah that's interesting yeah because one thing we were talking about was you know I, I was telling him earlier is like I, I was like I wonder if how he kind of balances being an artist and an executive because you know there's people that are just executives. There are people that are just artists. Many artists are terrible in business. Most, yeah. most are actually terrible in business. No, agreed. Um, and then there's a shitload of executives that know nothing actually about music or what it means to be an artist. Do you feel like you're one person or you have to split into two? Like right now, I'm the business guy. I have my business hat on. I'm doing this. Okay, now I'm taking time to be the artist guy. Or do you find yourself becoming kind of just one uh, vessel of vessel of, and, and using that that person to kind of affect the world around you? Or is it split for you? I'm lucky. Like, I mean, this goes back to Dave again. Like, I have someone that can play Bill Clinton all day. Um, and it lets me, I'm really an artist all day long. There's very, I'm not like, I don't have, I wear my heart on my sleeve, you know, pretty obviously. And, but I also, I, I know when it's time to, with the big boys, you know, I, I know it's when it's time to turn it on. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, I'm sur- I keep myself kind of surrounded by the creatives. You know, I, I think I had the best creative director in, in music, in fucking whatever, in life, in Brando. And I think, uh, I think our team is so, I mean, the youth, I mean, I'm the oldest motherfucker of the company on the creative side. We have a, once again, we got a bulletproof attorney, bulletproof business management. Our squad is tight. You know, and it comes from Dave once again, just giving me freedom, giving our entire team freedom. He let me bring in because Brando is like one of my obviously really close friends and he was my creative director as an artist. And he let me bring him in. And it took time for Brando to acclimate to like the whole the, the system. Yeah. Not the, yeah, the system and just kind of like the deadlines, because sometimes it'll be super quick. And then sometimes he'll want to take his time and really build it out. So because he only wants to do crazy dope shit. Yeah. David let me, you know, bring that in and. Ray Alba, who's not only one of my really, really good friends, but like a mentor to me, he was the guy that ran PR and Interscope. Um, still, you know, still does all the really dope urban shit over there. And let, he let me, you know, bring him in, um, hire him for, for Galan for they, and was super instrumental in the early Moog press that we were getting. And Ray's incredible. Brando's incredible, as seen by the heads. You know what I'm saying? Brandos, these guys are the best, man. And, and it comes from like, David's just a really good leader. So it's like, you know, I could call him tomorrow and say, my EP's coming November 18th. 
Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I need a, Is your EP coming November 18th? I don't know. Maybe it will. Shit. I don't even know yet. But say that's a date and I need... I haven't taken time off from working for two years. But say I need a time. If I ever ask for anything, he's, he's going to be the you. first one to do it. Yeah. He might even he might even tell me, "Yo, I saw the date. You want to go do this little run? Can I help you?" Like that's the kind of person he is, yeah. right? You got to that's what I'm dealing with. I'm never scared to be like, "This is what I want," because yeah. I know that ultimately, even if it's not right for the company and it's right for me, he'll make sure I'm somehow okay to where I. Because you guys fall. keep it very transparent with one another, however brutally honest it is. Yeah, that's dog, the beauty in, of in the beginning, it. Beginning it hurt because it was just like, you know, he would tell me straight up, like, "You, you don't have any hits." <sighs> What was that like? It was crazy. From someone, yeah, from someone from who the it hurt. Well, dog, it hurt. And for you, you want transparency. This is like the number one thing you want. Yeah. But it it it, it's, it hurts. It hurt. How do you how do you deal with that? that how do you how how can you continue to want that with mm. having to face that? I mean, he he know he knows that he knows at this point nothing can throw me off track. Mm. So he rather for the benefit of both of us, he rather just be real. Yeah. Um. And then the last three songs I've released are all songs that he's he's really fucked with. He was the one that told me to put out enough for you a year ago. I put it out a year after he told me because I didn't I, remember. I also don't want to make it uncomfortable for our artists. I know how hard it could be as an artist to have someone else who's also an artist essentially managing your career. Yeah. But the smartest ones are like, this motherfucker can talk 808s and snare drums and mixes just the same way he can negotiate publishing deals, set up, set mm. me up with a tour, yeah. get me, whatever. Like the best ones are the most uh, awake ones, I should say. The ones that are really conscious are like, damn, that's who I want in my corner. Because this is my life. I mean, look, it's fucking, it's 1045 at night. And like my shit's just getting started. You know, I got to the office this morning at 830. I'm probably going to be in the studio tonight till 230. But that's because I want it. No one's telling me I have to do shit. I got enough bread and I got enough contacts myself where I could fall off the face of the earth. And I know my guys would be good. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I know yeah, like yeah. they don't need. We're at a place now where like David can go and do whatever he needs to do. He'll know I'll take care of shit. And the feeling is vice, vice versa. versa. Yep. Yeah. So. That that burning passion, bro, and I, I, I hope it never goes away. Um, I've heard really crappy stories about how like this shit could fuck you up in the long run, like this much time, and but I just really hope it doesn't. What could fuck you up in the long run? Just like you know, uh, uh, caring this much mm. and working this hard and not taking time off uh, for yourself. Yeah. Because even if I, you got to remember, like I, I brought up the, the EP shit. I was like, even if I want to go do a week press run in New York and Europe and go tour, that's still work. That's hard ass work. Yeah. Brutal. Brutal work. I mean, I did it. I did it. I opened up for Most Def. I remember me and Ray going on tour with Black Milk, going on tour with Most Def, driving long, long ass hours. It was like, but I really wanted it. I still really, I wanted more than I wanted it then and I'm much more focused now. I'm going to get it. And when I get it, it's going to be real. Yeah. What's the difference? What's the difference? (laughs) You know, it's, it's interesting because right now you are in a position where you have a really good, a really amazing, incredible, great thing with mind of a genius. And you could go, you could ride that life without being an artist and be very successful and you will be very successful. And I feel that, when you're kind of a, a struggling artist going through that part of the fire that's under your ass is, you know, maybe it's that you're broke or that you're not put on or that you just 
you want to get there so bad. So that what's create the fire that's that creates the fire. Then once you're there, it usually dims. You're saying now it's more than ever. What what's, why is it more than ever right now? Damn. When you kind of have a lot already, a lot of amazing things, you're probably in the most like special Cause, greatest cause time. Your message. Cause remember, even though I love all these artists to death, we all, we all have very different stories mm. and being an Iranian, being an Iranian American man in a predominantly African American culture, um, growing up with a blind single father, you know, in section eight and watching what happened in my mom's family, uh, happen and <clears throat> just my friends not ever really like having shit. Um, my story is very different than any of my artists or any of our artists or any artists that I know really. And if one day I felt like that, that vein, sorry, that lane or void was filled, um, I probably would, wouldn't have as much of a drive to do it. So you're compelled to kind of give this to the world, yeah. put it out there. And I just love creating bro. Like some people love, you know, making movies or painting or traveling or eating. I got passion. Actually, I'm really passionate about food and traveling, but creating music like music in general is like fucking air yeah you know like i can't even imagine a day without music let alone like a day without like finding new music or or listening to a beat and thinking about what i want to change in it and the melodies i want to add and the cadences i want to try and the different delivery and there's like you're as an artist you're always growing you know i'm sure you already know this but it's like it's it's exciting for me every time i go back in the studio to record. I get the chill still. Really? Yeah, man. Like I still like That's important. It's it's the only driver. It's not it used to be like you said, it used to be oh getting quote unquote put on, showing the world what I had, making money, but it's like I have all those things now. I'm like yeah. I know personally, I know I could hit up Ebro, I could hit up Fuzz, get me on Big Boy. I can all these people, these gatekeepers that I once were dying to to meet with and to play them my music. I know all of them now. Yeah. And, and a lot of mutual and, respect. And there's mutual respect. And, a, and it, it took them seeing some of them. They don't even remember, but I'll, I'll never forget. Like I've met, I've met you all before, you know, how I, wild I, is I, that? Yeah, it's, it's wild as fuck. It's like, it sounds like revenge, but it's not at all. It's just like, I'm really grateful that there, there was a second chance for that first impression because if they forgot mm. about me, if they forgot about me and they meet me now and then they hear my music, a lot of the time you'd be surprised, bro. Like the people that reach out to me, like, yo, your shit's fucking fire. Like, why aren't you focusing on your shit? And I'm just like, you think I'm not focusing? Mm. You're fucking crazy. Like, do you know anyone else that has my narrative now? And, and like the, the tools that I have, like watch the fuck out. Like when I, when, when it finally all clicks on a music level and I have time, yeah. cause I told myself, I'm going to get these five artists out with Dave and this whole Moog team. I'm going to take a little bit of a break and go like, just help out the family. And this is all before 30, I just turned 28. I got two years in my head. Mm. Three of the debuts are out. The fourth one's coming in three months. The fifth one's getting introduced on February. So it'll be out in spring. This summer, summer of 17 is when I see like my first real tour. Mm. Um, and I'm and, and you know I, if I had the music like I think I will, and I'm, I'm able to, to to stay healthy through that process and it's easy. It's easy. 
do you think your message, what's your actually, yeah, what is your message now? And how, how has that changed from, you know, before, you know, before Mind of a Genius and before this kind of uh, everything you've learned? Message, I think it's just like an overall. Let's actually take it to like brand understanding. Yeah, or, like, or voice. Yeah. yeah, I think I think my I think I'm speaking for a very big group of people, the outlier, the rebel in the group where not the rebel, but there's a lot of me's in urban communities in the sense of or urban I guess you could say not urban communities, but like in this new age twenty seventeen melting pot ass cities across the US and even Europe. <clears throat> There's an Azad, there's a mixed kid in a group of predominantly black or Hispanic or whatever color, poor upbringings, maybe one parent, maybe no parents, and all they have is their music or they have, you know, their passion for cooking. Like I met my, this Uber driver from a minute ago, picked me from the studio. I was like, his passion, his truth is through cooking that's where he gets his like meditation for me it's like the therapy is the studio you know um there's a lot of me's in a lot of different pockets in the world and i think when they hear the full spectrum of my story whenever i figure out how to write all this in an album with replay value um i, I, th- I think it'll but i love be, how cognizant you are to that like yeah. you're aware of these things sometimes to a fault which is why it's always always good to have david there you absolutely know, who can like yeah, because I just put a song called "Sweet Out," which is like my. It's so weird. My mom loves it, which is like it's a That's banger about. It's a banger about like. It's empowering to women if you really listen, but it's a banger about fucking bitches. Yeah, and my my girlfriend's mom is like so upset with me because she knows I'm such I'm so nice to her and like she never saw this side of me. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, yo, it's just an extension of me. Like my Snapchat and my Instagram, like I was selling news. I get so I get it's an absurd amount of views that I get on my snaps and my Instagram stories because my friends who really know me know how ridiculous I am. But the majority of the world, or the I guess the public that knows the Azad, the artist Azad, or the whatever the Moog Azad doesn't really know that, and they just gas when they see my shit and like, yo, who told me this? I was telling you, who who told me I should put more of that in my music? Someone that was uh, fuck. We were just talking about this. Hold on, hold on. Whatever the point is, someone told me yesterday, the moment you find out how to blend that side of you into your music, that's when it's all going to click. Because that's the most marketable part about you. It's like you're fucking comedy and you're so like upfront and you harass people and you don't give a fuck. Like put that in your music. Put that in your art. Put all of that. And I used to always give my art only one side of me. It was so weird. You know, I just take, like I said earlier, I take music so seriously mm-hmm. and it took me out from such a dark place in my life that I was like reflecting on that place that I came from where it kind of pulled me out of. But you got to, music is where you are now. It's where you want to go. It's like right about everything, you know? So when I find a tasteful way to put that, that humor into the music, I think um, that'll also be a really new, inf- it's exciting to think about going in the studio because I want to write and try that out. Yeah. You know what I mean? See how that works. And kind of find another side of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that way too. Um, sure, you do too. I think it's it's a cool way to humanize, you know, yourself. Is that, like you said, there's. I think everybody has multiple sides of them. You know, your serious side, your dark yeah. side, your comedy side, your, you know, family side, your professional side. You yeah. know, 
where it's like your etiquette is on point and you, you know there, there's multiple sides but for for you as an artist now um it's, it's cool to to kind of hit a new uh world of like exploration yeah. in that right yeah. which is something you might not have been able to do younger because you were so serious and so determined and just focused on like this is who I am I'm you know now you may be able to like feel a little more of that and feel more comfortable diving in um, because well, of where we, you are, we were relying on music to pay our bills. Yeah. I, mean, I remember. I mean, this. I don't know how how deep I can go with this shit because this is also about noosh. But like, we would spend our last twenty, thirty dollars on meals, and then just knock out a noosh's crib on the couch, Straight and not know where that next paycheck or next, you know, whatever was coming from. Fucking wild times. Wait, wild how'd you times. how'd you guys meet? I forgot. Through David. Through David. Yeah. yeah. Through David. So. It, funny we enough, actually met like right on the same time that you met David. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I had been showing David the music of a really close friend of mine, AJ Sabat. Mm. Um, yeah. And David really loved it. And then Shout I, out to AJ. How the yeah, fuck is he doing, man? He's good. He's back here. Is he? Yeah. I'd love to hang out with him. Um, I'll let him know. Yeah. We'll get it together. But so I was showing David that music. Um, and then through that, like me and David just got really close. And that was, you know, I was in a period of my life where I was still searching for, you know, you and I had broken up. You guys had broken up. Um, I still had loved the road. Like, I love people, man. Like, Oh, like, this was around that time? Yeah. Oh. So that's when, that's when I was always at Dave's spot. And then I had become the de facto like day-to-day and like road manager for David Dan yeah. mm. and Azad was always in the studio with David and us and Adams and the Mileses and all these other guys that would congregate around David right because David was really building Mind of a Genius like throughout, from the time he came yeah, out he the did. womb <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah. I think the first time David Dan put his fucking cassette player and his headphones on like he knew you know what I'm saying but just like with That's Azad right. I, I think that the first time that Azad put pen to paper like his story is written you feel me as crazy as that is like the moment that he was able to put pen to paper he was beginning to write his story he just didn't know it yet you know what I mean so to that point I really think that we're all really fortunate because all of us are people that have an inner passion driving us but we're also really good human beings and good people propagate, bro. Yeah, that's real. That's really what happens. You know what I'm saying? Azad was pestering me for the longest time to fuck with him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not from the standpoint of, yo, accept my shit. I, he knew I was a big fan. You know what I'm saying? He also knew what my path was, so he knew that everything that I was telling him, it, it goes again to the to the to just the transparency. Like, I was very transparent with Azad from the get-go. Yeah, he was. And I also was very transparent to the fact that, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a very loyal motherfucker, dog. You know what I'm saying? So, like, he knew I was with David. But he also knew that, like, I fuck with his music. And I was, uh, like, I love urban music. You know what I mean? I was open with David in that time that I just didn't get dance music. Right. I was just really fucking good at what I did. Yeah. And my ability to, like, my love for people allowed me to be finesse king. But also challenge artists on the development of their brands as opposed to, like the music, like the be- the beautiful thing for me to look back on my path, and I'm I'm happy for every single 
mistake that I've ever made and decision that I've ever made, yeah. right? Is that, imagine this. I'm like playing management capacity and, and more so like day-to-day and just like really being that day-to-day manager to the David Dan for two years mm. and the Azad for two years, right? Now, While, but, but, but he, the thing is, day-to-day management and tour management is like a really fucked way to put it in my mind because Noosh had the strategy conversations and a more like holistic career conversations without really even knowing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was there every day. And there yeah. was someone that was getting paid more than him or a bigger equity partner in it above him, which technically puts him as day to day. Yeah. Which is fine, but the goal ultimately we always knew was Noosh would eventually take over my shit, you know, and uh, that's all. I mean, Ash knew that, you know, yeah. she wanted that because it would make her life easier. Mm. And same thing with Dave. I think ultimately Dave knew if Noosh wanted to really, you know, dive into the electronic dance waters, um, he could do whatever he wanted. They want, they could do whatever they wanted together. But, but Noosh wasn't passionate about that. And it's beautiful because both of these dudes knew, and I was very open with them. Right. Yeah. For David, it was, I literally would have convos with him and say, I hate dance music. I, he, he wanted me to full on like guide his shit. Yeah. But like, I was like, bro, I hate dance music. I'll be, I'll come out on the road with you all day. Right? That's my forte. I'll be the asshole all day. Yeah. I'll be the dude that challenges you all day. But I'm not going to be the, the dude that's just a friend that wants to be your manager just because it sounds cool. Like, I hate this music. You know what I'm saying? With Azad more so, it was, it was at that point where I was willing and, and able to take that Right. But I also told him, like, I just don't hear music the way you do. I hear the feeling. I'm listening to your lyrics. I don't hear these sounds like that. I can't tell you the difference between the claps and the snaps and the fucking I hats. You know what I'm saying? Gradually over time. Yeah, over time it grew, right? But can I was I, just I very honest. When did do you remember when I called you and I was like, I'm leaving uh I'm leaving Ash and John and all like, when when how did that all happen? I think it was just brewing, dog. I think it was brewing. You you'd reached a you had reached a breaking point just with the whole situation. Um and you were done with it. You know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't pinpoint the exact time, but I knew it was coming and like I'm very good. Like Azad is such a strong personality, dog. Like very strong personality. And the 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 beautiful thing about him that allows him to bully where necessary is that everything that he's saying, he has backup and ammo, right? <laughs> but then when you put, like, when you put fucking King Arthur up against Merlin, you know what I mean? You have, like, a gorgeous dance. Yeah. <laughs> but King Arthur knew that Merlin was there. You feel me? Yeah. Like I'm over here making potions, and he's over I'm telling him I'm fucking putting a spell on you, and he's literally sitting there going, I know you're doing this, but why? Yeah. You feel me? Yeah. But that was the, that, that was the beautiful part of it, because, like, dog, like, I love the people in this game, and, and, and the... the for me, it was very late to make that distinction. I right. was looking at it like, I'm still going to be that dude, like, Noosh is Mr. Go-Getter, get it done. Like, everybody sees me that way, I'm able to do it, but I hate what the fuck I'm doing right now, right? Which is why, you know, you speaking on everything coming full circle and also you speaking on the fact that this, at this moment in time, for you, it's like a resurgence and, and if anything, it's just more of a drive. I think for us with this podcast, and just everything going on, like it's allowing 
for what I've always wanted to do and contribute, at least for a, a good part of it. And you're a storyteller, to, to, to come to fruition. Yeah. You're, you know so you guys are, and you guys are both. I don't. I, this is like I think my first time really meeting. I've heard about you for years, but yeah. um, you guys are. This is an awesome platform to tell stories, and I think I miss that side of like really, really great journalism. Um, it's crazy. Like I only really watch. Breakfast Club, and I watch Ebro and, and, and Peter and Laura on on Hot because I just miss like being able to pull open XXL, you know, read an Elliot Wilson story or whatever Carl or whoever I was fucking with at the time. Sick, damn sick. Used to have a dope ass little blog. Um, How wild is that? That's crazy. And yeah, I, I I think this is. I've only listened to two of them full, but I listen to bits and pieces of a lot. I think you guys are. It's just the angle. We, it's so funny. It's just so, once again, cyclical. The perspective and the point of view that you're coming at it from. There's mm-hmm. so many ways to skin a cat, but the way you guys are choosing to do it and the way that we're choosing to do it over at Moog, excuse me, I think is a very unique perspective. Absolutely. Even though we don't have, you guys, I saw that $10,000 just came <coughs> in. We haven't even sold 10,000 records a day yet, but it's like everyone knows what's going to happen once the fire gets to a place where we can just pour the major layer yeah. of American radio gas yeah. on it. But you got to make sure your shit is so tightly knit. Absolutely. Because sometimes, bro, people, they mistake big for great. Mm. And a lot of the times, it's Describe, really, elaborate on that. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, you can't say something that fucking <laughs> prophetic and not like have a fucking Yeah, so no, I, I, I think it's it's fairly simple. I think... A lot of great musicians are, they never actually get their due shot because they're not managed properly. And a lot of the times, their, their biggest and potentially career, it could, it could be the worst thing for their career. That shit could come out and it could do really, really well and overshadow all the really cool stuff they had and get too big to the point where the song is known more than the artist is known. And it could hinder the entire career development of that act. And it takes a long time to get back on the right track. Mm. I think for us, we're in this incubation phase where all of our acts are really cool on the internet and they sell out their shows and their festival, you know, their key placements at festivals and they get really good press. But we've never really tripped about American radio because when we go, we're really going to go and the foundation is going to be rock Mm. solid. Yeah. What would you say for like an aspiring artist? You know, um, just find your voice, man. Just hone it on your voice. Make music. Live, breathe, write more. Fucking drink more. Live more. I mean, all that. Like, I don't. I don't have any advice besides just make. Like, put your all into your art. Every, every side of you. You do know. You, do you think as a as an artist now you have to know more about the business side no, to break through? You don't. No, because people like me exist and people like that's David great. exist. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I'll find you. If it's meant to be, I'll find you. Or or Tanji will find you. Or, or somebody they, important. Or somebody will find you. somebody or you know what? Somebody that's not important that one day will become the next mm. us will find you. You know, because it's it's interesting. You will be found. You will be found. I I love that you said that. You know, it's it's so interesting. You know, on the internet now it's I feel a lot of a emerging or aspiring artists that I I've talked to are looking for the solution on the internet. Literally, like researching on how to break how to you know you know get more followers how to 
you know, get on, you know, Spotify and you know, on a playlist. And, you know, they're always looking for different ways to do it and get their music out there. In the wrong places, man. Exactly. But it's like that's what the Internet's been feeding because the, there's such a large ocean out there and people are looking for an answer on how to cut through, how to cut through. Yeah, the best way to cut through is make that record. Make that body of work. But you have out. to go. You have to be in the trenches to get there, right? It's a yeah. lot. It's a lot easier to hear it. Like this is the thing. We know the answers, dog. The answers are presented to us very early on, right? But there's a difference between knowing what you need to do and actually being vulnerable enough to do what you need but, to do. But Noosh, you said this shit earlier when it was when I was talking about my J. It's so funny. Once again, full circle. This Jay-Z shit, the fucking Kinko's journal shit. Mm. People think that I turned into a businessman out of necessity. That's so wrong. It's like the biggest joke to me. I I tell the story of the Hove, like studying Hove early and and wanting my own label and wanting to develop artists. That's like the first, before I ever wanted to be a rapper and I was just a spoken word artist, I wanted that. Mm. Mm. That's why it's like people forget that and it's like, damn, yeah, so you failed as an artist and no, fool. If anything, if you look at it, I'm making almost as much money right now on my own artist stuff as I'm making off Mind of a Genius. And it, it actually sucks to say you failed as an artist because I feel you're always an artist. An artist right, is always are, artist. But uh, if yeah, you are an artist. It, it, yeah, if you are. If you true. Are, it's like if you are an artist, that's got to be such a, a, a shitty thing to deal with. I think it's even one of the catalysts for us doing this podcast of, you know, I always say it's giving the journey value and you know what really is success just because you may not make it in dollars or you may not make it on the charts or you may not be able to live off making music but i don't think that should ever be a reason why but, but artists everyone stop. defines their own success man like yeah. like people always ask me you know um damn like, how'd you guys get to where you are now and like it should, you guys are you're doing coachella with two you know two of your acts were on coachella this year and the next two will be on it next year and all these things. And I'm just like, wait a second. Like, how do you define success? Cause for me as an artist, it was always like, I just want to tour the world and fucking rap and sing my music. And if I could live off that and I can get my message out to whoever needed to hear my shit or it was meant to, meant to be for then that was enough. But some people define it as, you know, I heard someone say they needed, I needed to make seven figures off just sync this year in order for me to look at this year as a success. And I respect it. I respect the business, the hustle. Mm -hmm. But like ultimately, like is your act penetrating? Is your act trendsetting in a space where, or bla I guess you should say blazing in a, in a, in a predominantly uh, follow mentality? We're in an industry where everyone follows. Straight up. People are like, after Bryson signed or Bryson started popping, there was so many clones yeah. or derivative derivatives mm. that got signed and you know I, but I'm, you know what I will say I'm gonna I'm gonna end this on a really positive note um, there's so many new artists I'm excited about who are some of the artists that you're excited about right now there's a girl Kirby that I think is one of the most refreshing nah you know what she's the most refreshing artist wow I've met coming from you Man, I get, I get, yeah, I get really like, I mean, not even being able to sign her. But, yeah. What but is it about her? Everything. The tenacity. 
the voice and I mean voice in terms of point of view and like mm. what her message is, what her story is. Um, yeah, the consistency is like everything is at a high level. It's so hard to find an artist wow. that always hits. Mm-hmm. And it's like every song I just I heard, I was like, fuck, I want to <laughs> And you know what she told me, which just moved me. So, bro, it, it, she said, um, Zod, you're such a fucking dope artist yourself. I just like, I don't, at the time, this is a conversation about me wanting to manage her. It wasn't even about labels. Like, I don't. I don't know if I'd be able to do that to you. Like you, you, you wow. deserve to get your voice. I just, I broke down after that. I was like, "Oh my fucking god, you're, you're just a dream." And that's when I decided, I don't. As I'm not really a manager per se. I'm really an A and R and a, a strategy guy. Mm-hmm. So I think if it works, works out with us, it'll be on that level. Awesome, you know. But yeah, I love her. Um, can I name drop a few more? Yeah, go. Yeah, can, can I be? Please, a little, uh, this, is, this is your world. This is the this is the positive note, bro. We're trailing it off into a distance right now. I like this girl. Her name is Jessie Reyes. Okay, I think she's fantastic. I've listened to some of her shit because of you. Yeah, I think she's awesome. It's awesome. incredible. Um, I don't know how many more I can give right now. There's an artist. There's a band. I think it's actually no. I think it's an artist. I haven't talked to him yet, but if if he hears this, I think the name is pronounced. Can walk in, can okay. wake, can wake in, can walk in. Really excited about what they're doing. Really. Sometimes I don't even reach out. Yeah. I just like watch and, and like and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I love Georgia Smith to death. I think once she gets it right, she's gonna be, you know, what Lauren Hill was for me. Um, who else do I love, man? I love a lot of women right now. I think that the music industry is lacking like really powerful women. Mm-hmm. New. And a new a new breath of fresh air, and then rapper wise, I mean, I'm a, you know I love Dave East. Um, I like this kid Nick Grant. Word. I think he's awesome. He can really rap. Um, as far as bands, I like Leisure a lot from New Zealand. I think they got a really cool perspective. Word. Yeah. yeah. My brother, That's awesome. I love you guys. Thank I you. I love for this. you, bro. Thank you for the opportunity. No, for hey, no thank, thank you for, you for your coming time, on, bro. man. Yeah. This has been incredible. It's it's you I'm know, really it's proud sick. of you, bro. It's very it's very uh, this is it was a therapeutic process because you got to remember a lot of the stuff I didn't even I haven't thought about. Yeah, because you're not talking about this actively. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah it, it's it's a rare opportunity I think um, to go through that that journey to kind of like you know reflect on the the challenging times or the successful times or kind of just seeing like damn like touching on those moments those smells those thoughts yeah and just bringing that back. And seeing where you are today, I mean, and then realizing how much of that actually shaped you, and to to who you are today. And, and you, smells, yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, all, all I smell in the studio is uh, or the studio vibes, or pork Trader Joe pot stickers. <laughs> <laughs> extra crispy was when I put lots some of lime, lemon juice, cayenne, and lime juice on it. Yeah, we used to make those all the time. Look how far you've come, bro, and look how far you still have to go. Oh, that's the best part about I'm it. I'm proud of you, bro. Um, I really you. am. I'm proud, I'm I love proud you, you to I'm proud of you too, for real. Thank you. Love. love. Yeah. Mama, we, we made it! it!